Welcome to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film, proudly in collaboration with Brick Studios. I'm Jose Pusella. Join me as I take you on this audio journey with Heath Davis on the making of his new crowdfunded film, Christmas. Welcome to this limited series run that will focus on celebrating individuals who celebrate national and international cinema by their podcasts, amongst other things. So please buckle in and observe the no smoking signs as we take off in the month of August with this special series called Diary of a Podcaster from Oz to NZ. As always, I'm your host, Jose Puchella. And during this lockdown in my LGA of Liverpool, I've been reflecting upon the concept of time and relativity. Yes, I've been told my depths rival that of an inflatable kiddie pool, and I believe the construct of time is best encapsulated by the lost but not forgotten comedic great Groucho Marx. Time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. So with that, let's continue into the now and touch down in the great state of WA. Joining me is a Perth-based cinephile who in 2013 launched the respected and highly esteemed Cinema Australia, where he regularly posts reviews and promotes Aussie films by this dedicated online space. When he's not programming the WA Made Film Festival, you can catch him every other fortnight engaged in informative interviews with filmmakers via his Cinema Australia podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me this evening, Matthew Eels. Thank you so much for having me. That's a great introduction. Thank you very much. I'm glad, mate. I try to make everyone's intro personal to a degree <laughs> and hopefully slightly enjoyable for them. So it's not, yes. and to set the tone for the rest of the evening. Um, yes. Look, before we crack on, I'll do my usual housekeeping. If you enjoyed our last episode as much as Chris Bland enjoyed his 59 Pontiac, then start your search engines and head over to our Facebook page or Twitter at Diary of a Crowd F1. Please subscribe and reshare the episodes so the momentum for this podcast and Heats from Christmas continues during the production hiatus. Matthew, the birth of Cinema Australia would have been the culmination of your passion and adoration for film and filmmaking, and in particular, Australian film, when you launched back in 2013. So I'd love to know, where did the idea for Cinema Australia first germinate? Well, ironically, the idea for Cinema Australia came to me while I was in New Zealand uh, on a holiday with my wife. Um, and for anyone who's been to New Zealand uh, will know that when you're driving around, there's actually uh, quite a long distance in between locations and towns. Right. Um, and uh, just before we left to go to New Zealand, uh, we stopped in Sydney and it was there that we found out that my wife was pregnant with our first child. Oh, beautiful. And, um, yeah, so while while I was driving around New Zealand, um, I was thinking of something, you know, that I can, uh, I guess, that I can kind of teach my child, um, you know, that life, you know, shouldn't be taken so seriously and uh, that we should be looking for things to do outside of, you know, a nine-to-five job. Um, so, yeah, I've spent a lot of time staring out the window at these beautiful mountains and um, I'd always had a passion for Australian cinema. Uh, uh, Australian films, for some reason, they've always meant more to me uh, than any other world cinema. Um, you know, I have a huge love. Everybody loves American films, I think. Mm. I don't think there'd be anyone out there who doesn't. Um, but for some reason, Australian films really uh, stuck with me. Uh, back in, you know, when I was younger, we used to have a movie night most Friday nights with my mum and dad. And uh, mum would always go down to the video shop and and uh, grab a movie out, and she never shied away from the Australian films. Now, I didn't didn't really realise that at the time, but now that I think back, um, you know, she was always the first one to bring home the, the latest Australian release, uh, you know, like Priscilla 
and um, and crackers, for example. I remember sitting yes. around watching that with my family. Um, that's it's such a great film, and I always think of that movie. Um, and Mum also loved Australian television as well. Um, she always used to watch TV shows like Water Rats and Stingers. And right. actually, now now that I think of it, I, I don't know whether she had the hots for the lead actors, but she did always used to talk <laughs> about those guys. You know, like like your Steve Bisleys and your, your Aaron Pedersons and uh, Peter Phelps and people like that. Um, I, I just used to love sitting sitting down with Mum and watching watching Australian uh, TV content. But anyway, back to Cinema Australia. Um, so uh, also my day job is working for a newspaper and uh, I was put in charge of creating an entirely new online presence for this newspaper. I didn't really have a lot of creative freedom with it and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to create this website, combine my passion for Australian cinema with uh, having this creative outlet. So that's kind of how Cinema Australia was born all the way back in 2013. It's amazing how far... It's come. What might have been the turning point for Cinema Australia in 2020? Because I remember reading on the About section, there's a small yes. blurb that talks about how it just kind of, there was an influx of uh, traffic coming through to the site. So it sounds like at that point, it hit yes. It hit like an, an evolutionary point. Um, do you know well, what honestly, may have caused that? Honestly, I don't that? know what it was. I actually think that it might have had something to do with the release of High Ground, um, there was right. actually a lot of excitement around that film out there. And um, and I don't know why, but uh, yeah, all of a sudden at this one moment in 2020, we had uh, we had a lot of new traffic coming in. And I think that I'm, I'm, I'm putting it down to high ground. Um, I'll just say that. <laughs> and I think you've got to give yourself some credit there as well, Matt, even if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I've so, never been very good at, uh, you know, patting myself on the back or, yeah, I'm a very modest person. <laughs> I understand. D- did you attend film school? Because you said you work at a radio, uh, sorry, at a newspaper. Um, so yes. maybe university or film school did you go to? I never, never did anything like that. I um, I grew up in a very, very small country town. Thankfully, we had a great video shop there. Beautiful. <laughs> it was a it was an awesome video store, and uh, my mum actually worked there as well. Um, so I spent literally hours and hours wandering the aisles of this video store, and that was my introduction to film. But again, it was a small town; there wasn't a lot of uh, educational opportunities there. And um, at this particular school, I always found that if you were an underachiever, you were kind of ignored and kicked to the side. Um, whereas if you were a high achiever, you know you'd be looked after. So I kind of I. I really kind of gave up in year 10, year 11. And um, I think I left school mentally then, but I just stuck around for the social side of it. But um, if I wasn't, if I wasn't out with friends driving around in a, in a paddock or on a farm somewhere, I was in my bedroom watching movies and yeah, that that's, that's how I I feel like I learned what I learned uh, doing that. And um, you know, I'm probably from that Tarantino school where, he very staunchly reminds young people that you don't need to go to film school to Absolutely. be a filmmaker. And I'm not a filmmaker. I've never, never attempted to make a film. I, you know, back in high school, I did have dreams of making movies. And I thought to myself, well, okay, if I'm not going to uh, be behind the camera making movies or writing movies, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to supporting the people who are, and um, especially young people and regional filmmakers in particular. I have a strong passion um, for supporting those guys because I know how difficult it was for me. Look, and you certainly have done that in spades. Um, your support is extremely valued within WA and nationally. Going back to, you know, I guess you you were mentioning you grew up in a very uh, small town. Do you recall the first film that you saw in a cinema? 
Yes, I actually do. And uh, you, before uh, we started recording, you said that you weren't going to assume my age, and this might give it away a bit. <laughs> but uh, I think I must have been, I can't remember the exact release date of this film. I think it was 1987. Okay. So I think I must have been about five at the time. Then and, we're probably uh, the, the same f- age because I'm 1979. Yeah, we're around about. I'm, uh, I'm, 19, I'm, I'm 1984, yeah. Okay. Well, so then. on the, yeah. The, this first film that I saw, and I just can't believe that mum and her friend took us to see it. Now that I think about <laughs> it, it was uh, it was Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Oh and, yes, you know, like I I must have been five or six years old, and um and I've I've watched that film again recently, and I thought to myself, what the hell was mum thinking, taking us to see this movie? <laughs> she was but, probably um, thinking Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, um, I, I just never forget um you know that that image of Skeletor at the very beginning, um, uh, you know, laughing over uh, Greyskull and over Eternia. And, yeah, that, that image has stood with me for a very long time. But actually I don't think, I don't think it was the film itself that, that sticks with me and that I remember the most, but it was the atmosphere of sitting in a cinema in this dark space. And, you know, back in those days, you know, that you'd walk into a cinema and the curtain was closed. Yes. So it was like a real show. It was like a theatre. You know, you'd walk in and then the lights go down and, and there weren't, as half as many commercials as there are nowadays. I think at the beginning they'd play a a Warner Brothers cartoon. Um, yes. So yeah, that that you know that's what I remember the most. And yeah, it was a it was a real event. And I think this might sound silly, and I was so young, but I I feel like it you know it got into my soul. And uh, yeah, I I never stopped going to the cinema and, and watching movies. It doesn't sound silly at all. I mean, I was actually going to follow up by saying, is there a moment from that film that still echoes in your memory today? And absolutely. Yes. No, no. Look, yes. but to go to the other side, because, you know, we all have can have good experiences and then we can have those kind of traumatic experiences. Was there, do you remember the film that most traumatized you as a kid? Oh, I'd have to say it was uh, Chucky or Child's Play Part One um, right. because of Chucky. Uh, me and my friends, are, and I also have, you know, other vivid memories of playing. I don't know if you ever played it, but it was a game called Murder in the Dark and someone yes. was the murderer. It was, it was kind of like Chasey, but in, in the dark. And and I'm talking like pitch black dark, but we yes, used to yes. play Chucky instead. So someone in the room was Chucky and, you know, you had to have the maniacal laugh and um, everyone would hide and, and, uh, and be chased around the room. Um, but he was a sinister little bugger, and uh, and I was actually talking to my wife about it recently because you know there's the new Chucky TV series coming yes, out, yes. and we had a long conversation about uh, about how much that little doll terrorised me as a child. I think I slept with my bedroom door open until I was about 15 years old. <laughs> I don't blame you. I would have done the exact same thing. You've watched hundreds upon hundreds of hours of you know films and. And I wanted to know, what's your go-to film that lifts your spirits when you're feeling a bit down? Oh, it's Superman. Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve. Um, it's, I would say it's my favourite film of all time, still is to this day. Um, I just well, I could watch it over and over and over again. Um, and I don't know if you've ever taken the time to listen to the director's commentary on that film, but it truly, truly is, in my opinion, an absolute masterpiece. It's, it's the perfect movie. Um, you know, Christopher Reeve, what he did with that character. Wow. 
I'm actually a little bit obsessed with Superman, <laughs> but uh, that's another passion of mine. But, um, you know, I've got a room with a cupboard in it just full of all of my Superman stuff from when I was a child. And um, until I've got the room to display it all, it's staying in the cupboard for now. But in our living room, we do have a statue of Christopher Reeve. Uh, uh, it's a limited edition statue, I think, one of right. a thousand and um, it, it sits in the corner of our room. And if, if I ever am feeling down or a bit blue, I look at that and I tell you what, I just smile. And I can see it on my kids' faces too. That's that's the other thing. Um, you know, when when the kids walk into the room and, and they see it, they always point it out. And I don't know whether it's got to do with the colours, you know, the colours of the costume, the bright red and blue and yellow. Yes. But, um, yeah, it yeah, lifts the spirits of anybody. But, yeah, that film and, and you know, Richard Donner passed away recently and it made me that's revisit right. uh, the film again. And yeah, wow. It, it, there's, there's a scene at the end of that film where Lois Lane dies and um, she gets crushed in an earthquake. And I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I don't, you know, no. Superman, Superman pulls her car out of the um, out of the earthquake, yes. and um, and Christopher. It's just this beautiful, beautiful scene. And I'll tell you what: if 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 there's any listeners out there who are into uh, cinematography and and want to become a cinematographer, the great Jeffrey Unsworth who shot that film. It truly is one of the most beautiful beautifully shot scenes you will ever see and unfortunately that particular scene that i'm talking about is followed up by um superman flying up into space and turning back time by flying around the earth mm. at super speed so it, it's it's actually followed up by something quite silly and and quite comical but um yeah it's it's well worth seeking that particular scene out i, I think i've watched it on youtube youtube a billion times too um lois lane death scene um yeah if you're into cinematography check it out that's it's a beautifully shot scene so could we possibly expect sometime in the near future um, Matthew Eel's one-minute uh, breakdown of Superman? <laughs> is this like the Heat one, is it? That's the, right. The Heat podcast. <laughs> if, I was going to say, I think I we all have time. a film that we want to kind of break down one minute at a time. Would that be oh, yours? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 100%. 100 Oh, yeah. If if I had the time, uh, I, I don't sleep very much. I, I have so much going on. <laughs> if I ever did have, maybe when I retire, that could be something that I do because I, I would love to see that film live on and I think that could be great to do in another 40 years' time. Then you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Actually, if there is someone out there who does have the time to do it, I would love to guest on it every now and then. Um, you know, I'd be happy to do that at the moment. <laughs> okay, lovely. We'll, we'll put it out there. You never know what will come back. That's um, right. I wanted to actually then dive into because we are on, you know, heading towards the path now of podcasting. And when did you first launch the Cinema Australia podcast? Because it almost felt like a natural progression uh, to what you'd done through reviews um, and interviews. Yes. But then to be able to do it online, especially now, it feels like it has more value than ever because of yes, the restrictions right. and lockdowns that we're all having. So I, I remember publishing it, uh, it must have been around about 2014 or 15, the first unofficial episode was published. Right. I think if you looked it up online, it will be called um, episode one, but it's not officially episode one. I think I renamed it later. But uh, basically, yeah, I don't think this sounds bad at all. I think this sounds fair. But so basically, I was recording a lot of interviews. When, when I started Cinema Australia, it it really, really took off very, very quickly, and um, you know we were we were being offered interviews rather than me as the media outlet seeking out the interviews. So it well, took off fantastic. so quickly. Yeah, it took off so quickly, and and I was just doing interview after interview, and 
so the Cinema Australia podcast was actually born out of me getting sick and tired of transcribing the interviews. Now I loved listening back on them. That was fantastic. But for any, you know, anyone who's worked in the media out there, transcribing can be such a pain in the ass. It, it really can. Um, because, you know, you'd, you'd spend an hour doing the interview and then another, you know, hour and a half transcribing it afterwards. But um, so that, so that's what it was born out of. And I actually remember hearing Kevin Smith say one time, um, you know, if you've got a phone, you've got a podcast. You don't need a, you don't need, fantastic recording equipment yeah. mind you i've since learned that you really do <laughs> but um so so basically what i was doing was just publishing the interviews where i would put the phone down in the middle of the table and and we'd chat and uh, and i'd publish that but being in western australia a lot of the talent was based in uh, you know in the eastern states so yes. the actual recordings are me holding my phone up to another phone and and that's what the podcast was and listening back on it i don't usually listen back on the interviews but uh, listening back on it now i really realize you know how bad that sound is i'm still incredibly grateful that i was able to capture a lot of those stories and i still have all of those stories and interviews on record but um it must have been 2016 where i actually decided to invest in some better equipment and once i started hearing that better sound and better audio quality i thought okay I'm, i'll really start to turn this into a podcast now um, where we can, you know, build real episodes and and good quality sounding episodes out of what I was recording. But um, I always tell people that uh, that Cinema Australia isn't for now, and the Cinema Australia podcast isn't for uh, the present. It's for the future. Um, yes. It's for future generations to look back on and and enjoy and and listen to. And to tell you the truth, that there must be only one or two or three of us. Um, out there in Australia right now who are actually recording this history, you know, within this this decade and, and uh, you know, maybe into um, the previous decade as well. But um, there, there's, you know, if you want to find out about Australian films made in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, you can go to the library or you can buy a book on eBay and you, you've got, you know, decades of history mm. of Australian cinema there, but it's not being recorded now. There's there's nobody else out there who's who's compiling all of this all of these fantastic filmmaking stories. Um, so yeah, that that's why I'm very passionate about this uh, Cinema Australia podcast and and capturing these these stories for future generations to to look back on and enjoy and and to learn from. Beautifully said. And what you're essentially doing, and you know the handful of individuals like yourselves, a part of their community at cataloging for future generations, mm. just to reiterate what you're mm. saying. It, it's yes. fantastic um, because we are talking about, you know, people who do podcasts. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask, you know, you said you started with a phone uh, recording at first, but can I ask what you currently are using uh, in terms of microphone and, you know, what you edit on? Yep. So uh, I have a Mac and an iMac. So um, because I, I work for a newspaper, I do work from home. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have a really, really good uh, computer set up. Um, everything's uh, Apple based. And uh, I, I record everything via Zoom. I bought a fantastic, uh, sorry, um, Skype. I actually bought a great Skype recorder. And I, I have recorded interviews over Zoom before, but I've just never found out how to capture that perfect sound yet. So, so right now, all of our podcasts are recorded over Skype, and um, I use a Blue Snowball as my uh, microphone, okay. and I find that that gets good enough quality. You know, if um, if I had more money to invest in better sound equipment, then I would. But right now, I I, I don't know. I've, I've listened back on them. I think that they sound okay audio wise. 
Um, and then I edit everything in GarageBand and, and that's about it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, from the podcast, I had a phone call from a radio station, Triple uh, R, asking if they could publish um, shortened versions of the pod, of the podcast, broadcast shortened versions of the podcast on radio. Nice. Um, so that, they, they seem to think that the audio quality was good. So, yeah. So that's so pretty much all I use is Skype, uh, Blue Snowball um, microphone and GarageBand to, to edit it together. Very, very simple. Um, yeah, simple tools, but uh, time consuming to, to put it all together, as you would know. Yes, it is indeed. But thank you for that, because I'm always interested to know um, if I can say what as compatriots, uh, compadres are kind of doing in this medium, especially given that we may not be in a financial position to really be pushing the equipment that we'd like to use. And in reality, we realize that we don't need that much to do this. Um, no. So I hope anyone listening kind of is also inspired if they're thinking about, look, or tinkering with the idea of starting a podcast. And hopefully these next few episodes um, will kind of be the stepping stone for somebody to go, yeah, you know what? I have some ideas and I've got enough equipment to at least do something. Yes. Yeah. We are the evolution of uh, Kevin's uh, Kevin Smith's original comment there. You know, it was must have been seven or eight years ago that he said, if you've got a phone, you've got a podcast. Well, nowadays, if you've got a set of Apple headphones and, you know, a, a, a good computer with a good editing software on it, you got yourself a podcast. You don't need, you know, thousands of dollars worth of equipment, really. Not at all. Not at all. You know, you've released a good 60 plus, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, episodes to date through the Cinema Australia podcast. Well, I've only ever heard, I've only ever said that to myself in my head. To hear somebody else say it, I think, geez, that that is a lot. It does sound like a lot. No, it, it is. It, it really is. And because, you know, think about everything, the time that you've had to set aside to create, to come up with the questions, the planning, then the time spent uh, in the edit and, you know, polishing it, being able to release it. There's a lot that's that's involved. And out of all of those interviews, do you have a favourite moment? I know it might feel like an unfair question because it's not about singling somebody out, but rather yes. is there a moment that you felt that during those interviews you connected the most with and kind of stays with you? Yeah, I think my favourite moments are the appreciation for the stories that I'm being told um is sometimes i just have to pinch myself and and think to myself wow i'm i can't believe that somebody just took the time to share that story with me and and right now off the top of my head i i can't really think of of one particular story but it is that it is those moments when when someone is bearing their soul to me about you know their blood and sweat and tears that they've put into this film and um you know also the little the little moments uh, recently i interviewed um, Maya Stewardson and uh, the director of uh, My First Summer, um, right. and we were we were talking, and it wasn't until the very end of it uh, she said to me, "Oh, by the way, um, have you seen The Dry, which is uh, the Eric Banner mm. Robert Connolly mm. film that came out at the start of the year?" And I said, "Yeah," and, and they told me that, "Oh, yeah, we we shot uh, My First Summer at the exact same the exact same time that they were shooting The Dry. We actually shot it in the same river." Um, that the dry was shot in while they were oh, all in wow. town. And, uh, you know, I know I've met Robert Connolly quite a few times and we speak regularly. And um, uh, I said to her, did you did you introduce yourself to Ron, Robert Connolly? And she said, oh, no, I was such a, I'm too big a fan. I was too nervous to say day." And I know that if she had just done that and she had introduced herself, he would have been more than happy to have a chat with her. But anyway, it's just those little stories that I get told and um, that that I that I get to share. But um, if I if I have a phys one physical moment that was my favourite, 
um, recording this podcast. It was back in the very early days when I would throw my phone down on a table, yes. and that was with Ryder Mitchell. And, oh, wow. uh, and, yes, yes. and we, yeah, we, we were in uh, in Ryder's hotel room recording this podcast, and she was the most wild, just hilarious, genuine, warm, lovely person to be in the company of. And uh, and yeah, it was just more of a chat than an interview. She just wanted to chat. I think she was sick of the whole uh, press junket, and she was over being asked the same questions Which over is. and over. You know, people were still asking her about Woody Allen, and you know, mm. that was fifteen years after. After that she had, she had uh, actually worked with him you yes. know and she even said to me oh let's not sit on the chairs can we just sit on the bed and record this and and she halfway through she stood up and grabbed a Toblerone and and unwrapped her Toblerone just started munching away on it offering it to me and yeah that that would that was a that that would be one of my favorite memories of recording this podcast <laughs> oh that's brilliant um, I absolutely love yeah. that there was also another moment, if, if you don't mind. Uh, there was, um, uh, I was in, you, you mentioned to me today something about uh, uh, Broke, which was one of Heath Davis's films. And, yes. um, and yeah, uh, Heath had lined up an interview with Max Cullen for mm-hmm. me uh, to record a podcast. And I know, I know Max was humoring me completely and he was just being a gentleman. But at the end of the podcast, said, You've had such a long career what what's been your favorite moment um uh throughout your career and he said mate it's recording this interview with you and i know he was i know he was you know not not being honest and he was just uh, being polite but yeah it was a great moment and i'm glad that i've got it on um on on record exactly i love it no that's fantastic there are so many moments that are formed through this and there are connections that are made and i think when that happens it transcends and it reaches the listeners and I think you feel that and that's what you want you want to try to capture a genuine moment that's what we can all do within the story itself that um, they're telling you know and speaking of genuine passion which you have in spades for film and supporting WA filmmakers and the national community um, which is at the forefront of your film festival WA made films I wanted to know how did that journey start about five, it must have been five or six years ago, uh, I met a young uh, Perth filmmaker. Her name's Jasmine Levers, and uh, she started a monthly film session at a small cinema in Perth, and that was called Next Gen. And um, I remember hearing about it and thinking, hang on, who's this person coming in here and doing all this stuff in Perth without me? <laughs> so I reached out to her and I said, um, you know, is there any way that we can support, that Cinema Australia can support you and, um, and this little, these film sessions that you're doing? And she said to me, oh, you, um, you host, uh, for, uh, you know, Q&As and stuff like that. And I, I said, yes. And she got me into host some of the Q&As. And we knew that there was potential there for this thing to grow. Um, and to become much larger so over the next two or three years it was something we, we always spoke about but never really kicked off and um, and eventually we got around to uh, creating the WA Made Film Festival and the first one was in 2020 and uh, that was the weekend that uh, that the whole of Australia went into lockdown so our festival was on the Friday night and uh, I remember sitting in the hotel room in the city hearing Scott Morrison uh, on the news saying that the whole country is going into lockdown on the Monday, thankfully, because if I remember correctly, one of his sporting teams was playing that weekend and I think he was wanting to go to the game. So we yes. all got a couple of extra days Sounds before right. we had to go into lockdown. Um, yeah, so so it was a very, very nerve-wracking beginning of that journey, but um, we got through that first year and we sold out every session and, um, you know, not that it's about 
the you know the selling out or anything like that but um it it proved that there was demand out there for local films i mean there's so many people are are scared to screen australian films or western australian films or local films because they don't think they're going to get the audience well we proved it in spades that there is an audience out there for local movies um you know people people love to watch their own voices up on the big screen um, and yeah, we were lucky enough to um, to be able to continue it again this year, and we had our second version this year, and we're now in the very early stages of planning the third version. That's fantastic. And you, whether you um, will agree to this or not, you're pioneering this. Um, so I take my hat off to you, mate. That's fantastic. Honestly, fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. I know that, um, and this is very recent because I was looking at the Cinema Australia website. Because I also wanted to glean some information and ask some questions to kind of also highlight some events that are happening. Um, and I know you're only hosting this, but I still think it's fantastic that this has been created and that it's a partnership with Capricorn Films, which is a uh, VFest. Could you just yes. tell me more and the listeners about uh, VFest? Because it really is the first of its kind. Yeah. So uh, I've been kind of working with Luke, uh, Luke um, Graham, who runs the Capricorn Film Festival up in Queensland. Uh, been working with him for a couple of years now as, a, as an events host. So he would, uh, you know, get me over to Queensland during the Capricorn Film Festival and I'd host a few uh, masterclasses and, and filmmaker sessions over there for him. Um, he's been a huge supporter of Cinema Australia from the very beginning. Um, you know, we've had a great, we've had a great working and uh, and media relationship, and it was yeah, it was back in no, it was twenty twenty one that uh, he was about to launch the latest version of um, of the Capricorn Film Festival. Yeah, it was at the beginning of this year, and uh, and of course Queensland went straight back into lockdown. I think mm-hmm. a week before he was ready to roll on on that version of this year's version of the Capricorn Film Festival, and um, it takes it out of you. Like it, it really, really does. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have had things planned: birthdays, weddings, massive film festivals attended by thousands of people. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are people out there who have who have been planning stuff who have been yes. affected by lockdowns, and you know, they will know it really takes the life out of you when you've put so much energy into trying to put something together and then you have to cancel it at the last minute um so vfest was really born out of that it was uh, it was born out of uh, you know not willing to take a risk by holding something physical and uh, we also thought that if if we do it online and it, it's open to more than just central queensland it's open to the rest of australia and it's open to the rest of the world so really anyone can take part in this and um so basically we'll be screening three uh, Australian films, yes. um, calling out a gold, broke, and dark age, mm-hmm. and uh, there's also a series of masterclasses uh, that we've conducted. So um, I hosted those, and uh, they were all recorded. So they're all pre-recorded masterclasses, and basically I, I put my filmmaker hat on and, and tried to research as much as I could on behalf of filmmakers um, to help them to help them learn the processes of making film. From um, from producing to distributing uh, to acting um, to attending film school and what you should expect and and hopefully I've you know done the young filmmakers and the wannabe filmmakers out there justice. I'm sure you have, and this is at no cost as well to anyone, correct? Uh, no, there is a small fee. Okay. But the I think it's like four ninety five, and that gets you access to everything. Yeah, to that, the whole lot. Again, it's yeah. immaterial for the information and the knowledge and the resources that are being provided. It's it's fantastic. Yes. I recall on Facebook early in July of this year, you shared 
the news that your radio segment was going national. So congratulations. Yes. It's a tremendous Thank achievement. You. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to know what, uh, what station and times can we catch you on the airwaves? So it is Triple R. Okay. And uh, so this, this is the thing. I can't really give you an exact, um, an exact time for every state around the country because uh, we've been told that, uh, so basically uh, we've been told that uh, it's going national but we don't find out and uh, for another three months to where it's exactly going to be playing. Right. So we know that it okay. is around the country, but it's not until those results come back uh, um, as to when, you know, people can actually hear it in other states other than New South Wales. So in New South Wales, it can be heard on uh, 2 R, and, yes. um, and I think that starts at 10.30, 10.30 on Tuesday mornings. Beautiful. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely be checking in. Before we close off, I have to ask, you very recently hosted a Q&A with Steve, Jim Goose, Bisley to com you know, compliment yes. the first screening um, or the screening of the first Mad Max film at Backlot yes. uh, Perth. Yes. One, I'm jealous on so many levels. Um, <laughs> so that would have been an amazing experience for you and those in attendance. And two, was there a standout behind the scenes story that Steve may have shared about his time on the shoot? He told some un believable stories and and it actually wasn't until after the q and that i uh, approached ian hale who owns the backlot cinema it was held and i said mate for the last seven years i've sat in that room and heard filmmakers actors directors producers tell these incredible behind the scenes films and they're lost to history I said to him, you've got to get a camera in there with a microphone so we can record these things. But um, anyway, yeah, yeah. so it was a Mad Max film festival, uh, every Mad Max film from 10 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Oh, wow. And uh, I stayed and watched the original one because, of course, I've seen them all a thousand times. Yes. But sitting there and watching that original one again, I, I think it's the movie I've seen more times on the big screen than any other Australian film. And just re-watching it again makes you realise and remember what an absolute masterclass in independent cinema that is. And if you're a young independent filmmaker sitting in a cinema watching that film and it doesn't make you want to get out there and shoot something, then you've got no no place being a filmmaker. <laughs> it, it is really, really an incredible. It's got, you know, it's it's every genre and uh, every emotion from start to finish. But, um, yeah, so Steve Bisley, he's in Perth at the moment and he's been here for quite a few months. So I don't know if he's, joined, if he's, if he's here to uh, enjoy the freedom, but I know he has a lot friends right. in Perth within the filmmaking community but he has been here for a few months and uh, we were lucky enough to get him to come along and and do a Q&A after that first film and uh, yeah there were there were a lot of pinch me moments where I was sitting there listening to Steve tell these stories and just felt so um, you know lucky to be hearing them but one story he did tell me was there is a huge community of Mel of uh, Mad Max fans out there. Mm. Um, I think they're called Wastelanders. Um, <laughs> the, the the community of Mad Max films is called Wastelanders. I love it. Um, yeah, which reminds me, there's a new documentary coming out called Beyond the Wasteland, which I recommend everyone see. But uh, anyway, in uh, in that documentary, um, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, events where all of these Mad Max actors get together. So I said to Steve, you know, what's the, what's, what's a, give us an example of fandom that is, that has stuck with you from the beginning. And he told a story that um, uh, after he had filmed Mad Max a couple of years later, he received a letter from a prisoner in Mexico uh, asking him how much it would cost for him to father her child. <laughs> 
Oh, and uh, was yeah. he was his response one hundred percent snafu? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, he he said his response was how much. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he said to me, um, "What a what a baby what a, what a baby geese called?" And and, um, and I said, "Goslings, yeah. right?" And he said, "Oh yeah, Goslings." And I said, "So you're telling me that uh, Ryan Gosling is your love child?" And <laughs> he he got a real kick out of that. But yeah, that that was one story that stood out um, stood out for me. And yeah, Mad Max fans are wild, and yeah, it's, it's an amazing community of of fans out there. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Um, I at least it feels like for us who and you know. It'll hopefully, so you were saying you'd been asking for them to have a camera. It Was it recorded and it can be, it, it'd be seen somewhere? It or wasn't. It, it actually wasn't. And I, as I said, I've been doing these Q&As at the back lot for a long time now. And every time I finish them, I say to someone, bloody hell, we should have recorded that. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we really, really have to, we, we really do have to. It's, it's. Uh, I don't, I think there's a back lot in uh, Melbourne. I know it's run and owned by different people, but uh, it's a 50-seat cinema. So it's a very small, tight space. And um, yeah, it is. It is quite hard to get equipment in there. It's, it's very intimate. Um, I actually have. I actually panic more about hosting Q and A's in the small fifty seat cinema where it feels like everyone's sitting on top of you mm-hmm. than I do hosting a 400, 500 seat cinema where you can't really see any faces. But um, yeah, it, it is a very small space. But next time, we definitely have to record it. <laughs> I think what it sounds like, and see if you'll agree, it sounds like there's a there's a gap there that is asking to be, I guess, examined or created by someone far more talented than I am into doing, you know, the equivalent, but in a virtual environment where you could have 600, you know, or so people virtually. Now, I don't know how you'd accomplish that, what kind of processing power and how all that involved, but it sounds like that's what we'd need to go if we get to a point where we can't have people in a physical location, not to take away the value that that provides, but there's got yes. to be a virtual space that's begging for this to happen. And that way the yeah, actor really or the talent, you know, is literally from the comfort of their home. But anyway, a non-cinema related question. You've only posted once, but I have a feeling that um, you would consider yourself somewhat of a, uh, a grill master. <laughs> what, um, what's, what's your favorite meat to, what's your favorite meat to throw on a barbie and how do you like to cook it? Honestly, I love just cooking a good piece of porterhouse steak with the with the classic Gordon Ramsay uh, method of uh, steak in a very very hot pan uh, with a little bit of oil, and then once you flip it to the other side, add your butter, garlic, and fresh rosemary. Uh, cook it to medium well perfection, and and that's that's just my favourite thing to cook. So simple and easy, and you know the best flavour in the world. I love it. It's a steak cinema a Australia. So I'm gonna we're gonna have to get a recipe and put it out in there. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Great. mate. What I'd love to do, the very last thing, Matt, is I'd love to give you the floor. Um, and if you want to send in any shout-outs or promote any news or events that you feel like sharing to the community of listeners on any of uh, whether it's cinema Australia, um, WMA film festivals, on anything that you'd like to share, the floors are yours, mate. I think it would just have to be uh cinema australia because that's where it's where you can find out all of the information about all of those other things that that i do as well and um please you know follow us on facebook and instagram and twitter and uh, we've even got tiktok now because we have to <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. you know our website and uh yeah yeah just start at cinema australia 
find a find discover something new you know please go out there and watch more australian films um see them at the cinema um you know a lot of them are going straight to stan and netflix now so you really do have no excuses to seek out australian films and i was thinking about this today i think it was around about the time the castle came out Mm. everyone was so hyped about that film and then all of a sudden everyone stopped talking about australian films and australian cinema um, we've forgotten about it a little bit. And if you mm. want to rediscover it and, uh, you know, discover a, a totally unique style of filmmaking, check out Cinema Australia to, to find some, some exciting new films, um, you know, discover some new talent. We've got some of the greatest cinematographers in the world who still live here, still making movies, um, some of the best directors in the world, the best writers. Yeah, please check out Cinema Australia and, and support Australian cinema. And would you mind just giving us the uh, website for Cinema Australia um, and also the podcast for Cinema Australia? Where can people listen to the great episodes? Because I was checking one out last night, the one we interviewed, Antane Furlong. I don't know if I'm pronouncing oh, yes. his name yep. correctly. Yep. That was fantastic. Right. Yep. Oh, I love his Irish lilt and the stories yes. that he has in there. It's, it's <laughs> fantastic. Definitely worth checking yes. out. Yeah, and uh, he directed a film recently called uh, uh, Ascendant, which uh, I recommend for everybody. Um, yeah, so the address is cinemaaustralia.com.au and all of our handles for all of our social media are uh, at Cinema Australia, which is um, very easy to find. And uh, and the podcast can be found on SoundCloud or you can subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. And, yeah, check it out and, and you know, give us a follow. For Absolutely. your own sake, I don't want to say it for my benefit because my my the benefits to me are already full. There's 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 nothing more that I could could get. So if you're going to follow us, then it's for your own sake and it's for your own benefit and joy. Indeed. Look, I hope our audiophiles have enjoyed the journey we've taken with Matt today. I certainly have, and I appreciate your time. You've been very generous. Um, so thank you once again, mate. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And and I think you're a fantastic podcaster, a fantastic <laughs> interviewer. So yeah, well done. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. And to everyone else, until next time, ciao. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film. Subscribe to hear all future episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. For more info, please visit Diary of a Crowdfunded Film on Facebook.